BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, October 26th, 2023. Professor Michael Rechtenwald, formerly of NYU, now of Hillsdale College, joins us now. Professor Rechtenwald is also seeking the Libertarian nomination for President of the United States. He's also an intellectual colleague and a friend of mine, Professor Rechtenwald. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Judge. Great to be here. Of course, uh, I am happy to endorse your candidacy and encourage my uh, libertarian friends and uh, and colleagues and those who know me and know my work to look seriously at it uh, and to uh, support it. Uh, you are a serious, uh, prudent, well-established person who understands and explains the dangers of government and the primacy of the individual. Uh, and I think you are more than prepared to make that argument uh, across the country. Thank you so much, Judge. I, I really appreciate that endorsement, and I will live up to it and I, uh, to the best of my ability, and uh, let's go for it. Good. I want to talk to you about um, Israel and Hamas in a few minutes, but I first want to talk about big picture. I mean, how, how do you restrain government? You, you have a, a Congress now, now that the Republicans uh, have finally agreed on a Speaker of the House, which is just going to continue to borrow and spend us into oblivion, which will no doubt um, uh, pass President Biden's $100 billion uh, deal to give money to Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and to build a, a wall at the border between Mexico uh, and Texas. They'll borrow that money from the Chinese, and then they'll get the Fed to come up with the fake money to uh, to pay uh, interest, or they'll borrow the money that they'll use to pay uh, the interest. How can you, if you win, stop that cycle? You're still going to have a Congress of Chuck Schumer's and Kevin McCarthy's. You're not going to have a Congress of Thomas Massey's and Rand Paul's. Exactly, that's the case. And so, the um, what we have the power to do is to wrest power from the central government and vested at the local level with the people. And so we need to resist the federal government. In the meanwhile, of course, we need to end the Fed. And that's the ultimate objection objective, because the Fed is, of course, funding all these wars and the endless supply of money makes all of this possible. In the meanwhile, what we need to do is build a movement that weakens the Fed from the ground up by encouraging the use of parallel currencies. And parallel currencies would allow 
the, uh, the end of the monopoly over money by the Fed eroding at their power base. Uh, of course, none of this can be done overnight, and I'm not making false promises. If I were to get into office, I would try to float a bill to end the Fed, of course. Right. But in the meanwhile, we need to be building a movement that erodes, erodes its power from the ground up. But what one of your um, great assets is the ability to explain all this so that uh, folks who, who do not have your education can understand it. As I see it, the problem, of course, is the Fed, but the problem is also the mindset of big government. Yes. I mean, what, what do you do when they send you a, a $7 trillion uh, budget? veto it and they override your veto what 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 can you do and under the supreme court uh cases you can't even not spend it you must spend what they give you stated differently i hate to ask you this but i have to is the cause hopeless well I, as long as we're alive and uh we are still kicking and can uh take actions on our own part i don't ever give up hope but let's be realistic here uh, what is possible is not toppling the state from the top down. Uh, it is not possible to, you know, I'm not riding into Washington, D.C. as a white knight who will topple the state and begin to dismantle its uh, various organs, which has to be done. But in the meanwhile, we have power to take action at the local level. And we have, uh, we have the power to try to wrest power from the Fed and the federal government by uh, by putting power at, in the people at the local level and wresting away from the central government. And this, will, this is not an overnight process. This is going to be a large movement. And that's why I say my campaign is more than a campaign. It's a movement to undermine the federal government. Uh, we can't expect to have the kinds of people in office, in Congress and the Senate that we would like. They're not liberty-minded people. There are few, as you pointed out. But we can't expect that. So we have to take action ourselves. We need to do something ourselves to take uh, to wrest this power away from the state. Do you think the uh, American public, sick and tired of uh, Democrats and Republicans, big government uh, both, yes. or there are some progressives in the Democratic Party that respect uh, civil liberties, and there are some libertarians in the Republican Party, I'm talking about in Congress, uh, that respect the Constitution, but 95% of those people don't. They think the government, the Congress can write any law and regulate any behavior and tax any event. You're going to go over their heads. My question, do you think the American public is ready for this argument? Well, they need to, you know, that's why I think the Libertarian Party needs an educator in the uh, as the leader for the party right now, and that's my specialty. I've been an educator for 30 years. I know how to reach people where they are, and to bring them around to the kind of thinking that's necessary to really make the case for liberty and to make it strongly and to make people understand what liberty is and how to attain it. And that's gonna take time. And uh, that's what this campaign is uh, partially about, which is educating the public about liberty itself and what the federal government stands uh, in the way of. It stands in the way of our liberty and we need to make it clear uh, that liberty is the object, not something that's a byproduct of the state. It's actually something that we have intrinsic to ourselves and that we need to exercise. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Um, how dangerous is it for the President of the United States to send 20 ships, including two aircraft carriers and 2,000 Marines uh, into uh, the Red Sea, one, sh- one aircraft carrier and 10 ships, and into the uh, Eastern uh, Mediterranean? There's no declaration of war from the uh, Congress. There may be general consent under the Congress because of a feeling of affinity for Israel and that somehow this will help Israel. I think it's it's going to cause a bigger war, which will end up hurting Israel. But how dangerous is this, Professor Rechtenwald? It's extremely pernicious. We're looking at something that's quite perilous. So what is happening here is that the U.S., at Israel's behest, is effectively baiting Iran and Hezbollah and even Hamas to attack American soldiers, which would draw the United States into an official war with these uh, with these parties. This would be then the possibility of leading to a worldwide conflagration that involves even the prospects of Russia and even China as an outside chance of getting involved. So they're trying to establish a new kind of world war axis and ally powers, and this would be the perfect setup for doing it. It's, it's just outlandish. So, I mean, I'm calling on the United States and uh, specifically Mike Johnson not to pass any bills that funds uh, any further Israel uh, with arms or money, military uh, aid, so that we can to- uh, bring down the ratchet down the rhetoric and the, and the uh, escalation here. We should not be escalating this conflict. I assume that when you say no more money for Israel, you're talking about uh, Ukraine as well. Absolutely. They're sandwiching these two in together along with, as you mentioned, Taiwan, which is a provocation to China. I mean, is there some war going on in Taiwan that you and I don't know about? Where did they come up with Taiwan? Where who else do they want to provoke next? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So they're they're saber rattling at China for for a long time here. They want to. Try, they, it seems that they want to draw China into a war, which is just an outrage. It's unbelievable. So they're looking at wars on three fronts if they have their way. That's what these neocons in both parties seem to be uh, dead set in bringing about, which is just unbelievable. We need to nix this bill. We need to put pressure on these representatives not to pass it. We need to stand up and make sure that people's voices are heard. But first, we got to get a lot of people who were uh, previously on this very ephemeral anti-right kick for a while against the war in Ukraine and 
post hoc against the war in, a, in Iraq. We need to bring these people over to have them see the light here because they're cheerleading this on. And that is in direct opposition. You know, the, the powers that be cannot rule without our consent. And we need to, we need to revoke that consent entirely. I don't think you have to worry about losing Lindsey Graham's vote because you never had it in the first place. But what would you say to him? There he was in Israel yelling and screaming at uh, one of my colleagues from Newsmax because she asked a perfectly legitimate question uh, about uh, progressives in the House of Representatives refusing to support Israel. And he asked that the reporter be thrown out of the room. And then he said, oh, and by the way, I, I told the president he should be bombing Tehran. Bombing Tehran? What do you say to a, a person like that who uh, goes abroad as an official of the United States government on the government's taxpayers' dime and says the most provocative warmongering things imaginable? I tell him that we're going to look into his, in, his financial statements and to figure out exactly what he has at stake here. Who is he getting kickbacks from in the military-industrial complex and uh, also, I'd say suit up yourself and go over if you think we should be fighting these countries and these parties. Enough of the uh, sidelined uh, chicken hawk rhetoric here that we're hearing from these uh, neocon Republicans and Democrats. This has to stop. Um, as you know, the Congress has this tendency of, uh, you mentioned it earlier when you said sandwiching, uh, of putting a lot of um, spending in one bill, so much so that nobody can read it. The continuing uh, resolution uh, under which the government is operating now for 45 days, nearing the end of the 45 days, by the way, already, mm -hmm. um, was 1,200 pages long, and they had about 15 minutes to read it. One member of Congress was so upset, as you know, it appears he pulled a fire alarm in order to get everybody to run out of the building so they couldn't hold the vote so they'd have time to read it. That, that's extreme and dangerous and criminal. Mm -hmm. He's been charged for it, but you can understand um, the motivation. What is a president to do when the same piece of legislation, without a line item veto, when the same piece of legislation that funds the courts uh, and, um, and funds the, the Defense Department uh, also gives away hundreds of billions uh, in ways that are not even arguably constitutional. He sends it back uh, and let them overwrite the veto, if they will, just to show what, what they are, who they are, and what they're up to. You have to nix it. You can't, you can't pass such a bill, even if the courts shut down. I would hope that the Congress does not pass this next uh, spending bill that is aimed at uh, Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan, and then again, that they uh, shut down the, the government by uh, getting rid of the speaker if necessary, because we're better off without a speaker. At oh, this God, man, I could not agree with you more. Those four weeks without the House of Representatives meeting, you could sleep at night. You didn't have to worry about any more regulations or any more taxes. <laughs> the government was stopped in its own tracks by its own rules and its own lethargy, and it couldn't move. It's better off to shut it down than to let it do what it's doing, that's for sure. And everything in my uh, campaign is about dismantling the state and all of its apparatuses. What would you uh, do about the tendency, I think I know the answer, but I'll ask you anyway, 
of every modern president uh, from Harry Truman um, to Joe Biden, including JFK, to use a military violence without authorization from the Congress. Now, Congress has only declared war, not in your lifetime or mine. Last time they declared war was December 8th, 1941. We all know what that was about. Right. But Congress has given limited authority here, authorization to use military force, and it looked the other way there. Barack Obama destroyed uh, the government of Libya and Libyan society, used the the, uh, CIA to do it so he didn't have to report it under the uh, war powers uh, resolution. Give us your thoughts on all of that. Why do presidents kill? You know, that's a great question. Why do presidents kill? Um, You know, they're trying to extend the power of the state as much as they can, and they're using force to do it. And also, they're probably involved in the military-industrial complex themselves, and they want to see the state exercise its powers of coercion and murder across the globe. This is just unbelievable. Uh, So these authorizations for the use of military force, AUMFs, should be revoked. This is a ridiculous notion that, you know, we can go to war over such such authorizations. It should be a vote in Congress and force these people's hands to show where they stand in terms of uh, real uh, declarations of war rather than these uh, so-called limited authorizations, which are never limited at all. Well, you're right. They're never limited at all. When um, uh, President Trump used a drone to kill an Iranian general on his way to have lunch with an Iraqi general, friend and an ally of ours at a restaurant in Baghdad, uh, he used the authorization for use of military force as a justification for that killing. So, you know, presidents and their legal advisors will come up with all kinds of creative nonsense uh, in order to justify all kinds of killing. When Barack Obama, President Obama, used a drone to kill Anwar al-Awlaki and his son. Mm -hmm. Mr. al-Awlaki was born in New Mexico. The son was born in Virginia. The two of them were seated at an outdoor cafe in Yemen having a cup of tea. And he sent a, a a drone to vaporize both of them, and they were literally uh, vaporized. Uh, he felt he had the authority to do it under the authorization for use of military force. It's simply horrific uh, what presidents have done and what Congresses have let them get away with. Unbelievably so. Uh, so, you know, this is all based on a failed imperialist policy of building empire around the world, intervening in every conflict, which brings up more interventions and more interventions, which adds to the, you know, the power of the state, and we become a warfare state. And we get ourselves entangled in all these various regions, and then have to solve the problem that we started. This is the whole neocon project, and, and, and even further back, an imperialist project that has completely failed the American people, has robbed them of money while killing other people across the globe. It is a complete crime against us and and humanity at large. This has to stop. We need a policy that is non-interventionist. That doesn't mean so-called isolationism. And that's the term they try to use to say, oh, well, what are you going to do? Just not trade with people? No, we're not saying that. In fact, I'm saying the opposite. Build relations through trade, through commerce, and not through warfare. 
A um, couple of specific questions. The FBI, what would you do with it? Re, re, I would abolish it. And what would the feds use to uh, investigate federal crimes? There are 5,500. <laughs> the Constitution authorizes two. There are 5,500 federal criminal statutes. How would the DOJ operate without an FBI? The whole thing would need to be rebuilt from the ground up. Uh, right now, we're not talking about an agency that actually protects Americans. It's actually an oppressive agency that is being used against Americans, whether innocent or not. So this is this this apparatus of the state must be dismantled, and and then we'll see what we have and what we need. But it's not going to work by trying to reform this utterly corrupt, politicized, and oppressive uh, state a, uh, apparatus. How about the CIA, which Harry Truman uh, created in 1947 and condemned and renounced in 1963? Yeah, I mean, it has to be abolished. The CIA has done the most pernicious things imaginable, and some are unimaginable. The things they have done to people are just unbelievable. Not only have they toppled uh, you know, uh, regimes across the world, uh, all kinds of regimes, whether they be communist or otherwise, they've toppled all kinds of leaders everywhere, coups around the, around the world, including facilitating the one in Ukraine, which has led to this particular conflict. They've also done experiments on human subjects in the United States, like MKUltra and others. I mean, these people are monsters. Uh, this, this agency needs to go entirely. Professor Rectum, well, when do you hit the road? When do we start seeing ads for you? And when do you start addressing thousands of people about the primacy of the individual over the state? I'm on the road now. I'm, I'm speaking at various functions uh, right now. It's within the Libertarian Party. But when I hit the general election, I'll be speaking to broader audiences all over the country. Uh, we have an event, uh, events coordinator that's setting up events and there's a very distinct possibility that I'll be debating in the near future Vivek Ramaswamy. And uh, that will be a very interesting debate because he's a statist at base, even though he has some positions that seem libertarian per se. Professor Michael Rechtenwald, I'm with you. I salute you. I encourage libertarians to support you. Wish you well, and I hope you'll come back here. Thank you so much, Judge. Great to be here. Of course. All the best. Uh, coming up uh, later uh, this afternoon, Professor Jeffrey Sachs at 3 o'clock and at 4.30, Scott Ritter, Eastern Times, Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.